Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of the Drum Network Podcast. I'm Senior Tech Reporter for the Drum, Chris Sutcliffe. As you'll have seen if you've been on thedrum.com, we are doing a week-long deep dive about e-commerce and hybrid commerce. And so for this week's episode of the Drum Network Podcast, we're narrowing in, we're really zooming in on some of those new and developing relationships between what is brick and mortar and what is digital sales. So we're going to be asking everything from how physical stores are making the most of developments from the world of e-commerce. We're going to be taking a look at what some of those developments are. And we're going to be asking what digital sales journeys can still learn from in real life retail and what are some of the smart ways of actually merging the two. But for now, I'm going to ask my guests to introduce themselves. So, George, could we begin with you? Who are you and where are you from, please? Of course. Yeah. Hi, uh, my name is George. I'm from Brighton and uh, I work for a marketing agency called Favourite. I cover everything social media, make uh, tons of TikToks and Reels and spend half my life on TikTok as a whole. So that's what I do. <laughs> Very nice. We'll definitely be coming to you for some comment around social commerce then. And Grace, same question. Who are you and where are you from, please? Hi, um, I'm Grace. Um, I'm from London. Um, I work at Zappa, uh, which is a hybrid of a tech agency and SaaS platform. Uh, as a senior marketing manager, I'm over, as you'd expect, everything marketing. Um, I've got a strong e-commerce background previously, though, so I'm looking forward to this week's episode. Perfect. And Barry, could you take us through everything that's been going on in your world? Who are you and what do you do? Sure. I'm Barry Fisk. Uh, great to be here. Uh, coming live from Boston. I work for Merkle, uh, where I help lead uh, experienced creative teams that are doing customer experience design uh, for clients around the world. Fantastic. And actually, Barry, if we can keep with you then for that very first question, because I think it's important that we sort of set the scene for the discussion. So what would you say currently are some of the most important developments around e-commerce and how brands are using e-commerce that we should be keeping an eye on? Well, so I think there's a there's always a lot that's happening around e-commerce, and certainly there's a sort of the rise of different tools. Um, but I like to actually sort of start with some of the fundamentals. And and when I talk with clients about things that they need to keep an eye on, I find myself um, centering these days an awful lot around loyalty, and how clients are thinking about loyalty and how that drives further connection between in-store and what they're doing online. So there's an amazing amount of stuff we could talk about around social commerce and web three and, you know, how are you selling in virtual, you know, in game and all that kind of stuff. But honest to God, if you do not have a loyalty program that is kicking ass, then you, you should really stop everything and focus on that first. You know, that's, that's so interesting because we just ran a piece today on the drum, which is all about kind of KFC's new uh, e-commerce and, and loyalty scheme. And that's moving away from being kind of tokenistic and actually, you know, making sure that it only rewards the super users to making yeah. it much more of a sort of chance thing and actually bringing much more, many more consumers in. So I'm sure we'll touch upon that. But Grace, what would you say are some of those, you know, fundamental e-commerce trends that we need to be paying attention to that really tee up the discussion? Yeah, I mean, it's interesting uh, what Barry said about loyalty. Um, I would totally agree. I think without without a decent loyalty program, it's you know you're stuck in the water but um coming from sort of a tech so uh we specialize in augmented reality and looking at how that is being used for e-commerce is mm. super interesting at the moment and um you've kind of got the the stuff that you'd expect sort of the um the ar sort of embed within websites and the visual try on um so that's definitely kind of a really a really key one but also around brand loyalty it's using those digital rewards i think these days sort of younger people uh, especially it's everything's very digital and the value has become far more digital with nfts and everything and being able to use 
sort of that kind of digital reward system, whether that's online gamification or sort of avatars and collecting virtual products. Um, I think that's super exciting and something that can really hit both the, the sort of purchase and the conversion, but also that that loyalty piece as well. Nice. Well, you teed up so much that we can talk about there. But George, just as kind of the final person in this kind of the round of questioning, what would you say are some of the most important trends that you're seeing in and around e-commerce right at the moment? Um, well, especially, well, we like to test like Shopify plugins. Uh, I mean, one plugin alone did like 650,000 in sales. Plugins such as, you know, spin the wheel or upsell products or, you know, backing stock alerts. Uh, countdown timers are really exciting. You can kind of implement those across most social media channels these days. Um, and chatbots, I think just implementing these small little tools uh, and plugins can really just help uh, keep things dynamic, right? Yeah, certainly. And we've certainly seen so many fantastic examples of that. One thing I do want to ask then, it's rare that we go off piece this early in a Trim Network podcast, but based on your <laughs> answers, I really, really want to get your, your take on this. Uh, who would you say are some of the brands that are doing each of those things that you mentioned in terms of doing e-commerce well effectively? Grace, who do you think is doing some you know amazing stuff within augmented reality or actually making sort of use of those those new pieces of tech, you know, if, from yeah. a brand perspective? It's really interesting. So there's a there's a company, I think they're Swedish, called Sinsam. Um, and they have recently kind of implemented AR all the way across their website. So it's all embedded. So they're a um they're basically a glasses retailer. Um and so obviously virtual try-on is a is a massive thing for them. Um and they've been doing it really, really effectively. It's sort of across their sites. But also what we found is because we work with them, what they're also doing is they're using um, the technology in a really great way to track that buyer journey. Um, so the difference, the length in interaction on different frames, uh, sort of different ways, different products people are interacting, how many people go from try on to purchase, like it's a really in-depth um, sort of information sort of way of communicating. Nice, yeah. And we'll definitely come back to that that point about the consumer journey in a little bit. Barry, who do you think is uh, is is a brand who is actually taking the advantage of kind of Web three in and in, to do um, e commerce really really well? We've seen some fantastic executions already from the likes of Nike, from Coke. Who do you think is really taking the advantage of that? Right. So, <clears throat> I mean, I just had a meeting with Dick Sporting Goods the other day, and we talked a lot about what Nike is doing. And, and Nike is pretty interesting in sort of the way that they're diving in. They want over, over a quarter of their total sales actually to be coming through Web3 means um, mm. in the future. And the way that they've been investing it is pretty impressive. But the part that we actually talked a lot about that's interesting to me is how they are bringing um, those investments in the digital space back into their flagship stores. So that's something I think that we ought to talk about as a group here today, because that's what's particularly interesting to me. And I actually think the places to watch now are what the big box retailers are going to do. How is Dick's Sporting Goods? How are some of the other big box retailers going to bring um, some of the AR stuff that Grace was talking about and actually make it an experience in store? How how are they going to take some of the social commerce stuff that George was talking about and actually bring that in to kind of make a richer in-store experience? The vast, 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 vast amount of sales are still happening in-store and all this other kind of stuff is cool, but that's where you make your money. And so mm. you've got to figure out how to kind of make it a connected commerce experience. And that's what we talk to people about all the time. See, here's the here's the thing. I always feel like we're we're jumping ahead because I like to tee up the discussion. I like to lay a little bit of the groundwork. But 
you've all to some extent mentioned this idea that you know it, it is a combination of install retail and e-commerce which is going to be at the heart of some of the most successful strategies going forward so george just before we move on to a kind of a, a more in-depth discussion of that i wondered who are some of the which are some of the verticals and sectors that you think are doing that really really well is it beauty is it fashion is it sporting goods you know who is it that, that's actually doing that combo really really well in your opinion yeah, you know, Chris, you actually just mentioned two of them. Um, <clears throat> makeup beauty line, that's killing it right now. And the sporting uh, industry, right? It's for like uh, gym wear and stuff like that. I see it with Gymshark. They're doing these TikTok lives and they're putting their products on TikTok and, you know, adding coupons and they're uh, doing like these two-hour sessions like in the evening time, just selling that way. I think as well for the beauty side of things, um, you just see people doing try-ons and get ready with me. And they're implementing these products throughout the video at like random points. And they're doing these quick flash sales and stuff. So I can't pinpoint any names. I'm not big on the beauty side of things. <laughs> but um, you see it. You see it everywhere. So I think definitely those two niches, right? Yeah, absolutely. We flagged so many of them up on uh, the drum.com, which is just kind of, we, we almost need a dedicated reporter just for that because it is so much of our coverage at the moment. But one of the things then that you've all, you all fucked up is that idea that, you know, ultimately what matters is the, is the sale to a brand or actually developing that relationship to where it can be, you know, progress to the point of a sale. So Barry, why don't you take us through how some of the best brands are using e-commerce to really open that consumer funnel, whether that then be in-store or, you know, through a dedicated e-commerce channel. So, um, I again, I think that the the way that we like to talk to clients about it is how connected the commerce experience is, right? So if you have um, a rich e-commerce experience for your brand, hopefully you're collecting data, hopefully you're understanding who that customer is so that when they come into a store, that very, very first visit should feel to that customer like a third visit, right? Mm. That sales associate may be enabled with a tablet, actually understands who they are, what they've been looking for. Maybe in more advanced retailers, they've actually sort of pre-selected almost like a try-on tray. Like I think, you know, Grace sort of talked a little bit about um, some of the um, eyewear people like that. And you could actually sort of like have an, an opportunity to sort of pre-try on the five glasses that you wanted. Um, and then how are you then sort of connecting that back out? How are you perhaps, you know, to, to the point that George was making, sharing out what I look like with my friends, you know, in these five different frames, which one makes me look like a bug, which one actually like makes me look somewhat handsome, that kind of a thing. Those are the kinds of things that we like to talk about is that overall connected experience. How are you taking the intelligence that you're gaining online to kind of create a richer more personalized experience? How are you taking the really smart stuff that you do online around search, around um, sort of like community feedback around products and actually making that something you can access in store? And then how are you taking kind of the really awesome stuff that you can do in store and sort of then putting that back online, whether that's where it's showrooming, whether you're actually sort of creating digital twins of products, maybe to Grace's point, so you can actually manipulate them and kind of play with them in a digital space. That's the whole reason people go into stores, right? They want to touch and sort of feel, they want to sit in the car. How do we get beyond like a car configurator and actually have something that's a bit more like a virtual experience, maybe even an XR experience where mm. you can actually physically sit in the car. So that's the kind of stuff that we talk about. How do we literally blend these things together? Customers don't see a difference anymore. They totally, totally think that basically the brand should understand who they are, wherever they are, however they're kind of shopping, and it should be a continuous conversation. And anytime that is interrupted and you have to reintroduce yourself, they get pissed off and they'll go buy somewhere else. 
that's well i mean anecdotally that's 100 i did that this morning in fact so yeah through a little bit of a tantrum because the brand didn't recognize me from a previous visit but grace mm. you were nodding along very vigorously to some of that i wondered what was it that you particularly um took away from that yeah it's that it's that connected connected approach um and so we we're very kind of big on on the idea of sort of um the omni-channel the omni-channel approach when it comes to to sort of our tech and nar and it's um very much about we see it very much as about almost like a camera strategy rather than specifically an ar strategy so you're very much looking at like um like barry said about how people are interacting in different places and that personalization and remembering them and whether that's taking it through from sort of packaging to sort of social commerce to everything it's all it's all linked and it's all about telling the story of the brand and in a way that people can engage with that experience so when you go into a shop for example it's 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 already an experience you're already ahead of online commerce um but you can make that so much richer on both sides using sort of immersive technologies whether it's sort of ar xr it's adding a adding a benefit um mm. so we've uh, been working with Puma recently um, in sort of their flagship stores and sort of it's very much like a creating a creating almost like that kind of try on effect but in store people can have photo features within the store and you're creating almost like an online experience in real life and it's about flipping that and, and playing with it and yeah creating something that's an experience and providing that above other other retailers really. So I suppose to, to, to clarify though, they're talking about making an experience that doesn't just take you from e-commerce into a store, but can also go from in-store to be shared out somewhere else. Yeah, exactly. So George, when I was talking to Snapchat not too long ago, they were talking about that kind of the the halo effect around, you know, people sharing content on there. And when you engage with brand content on say Snapchat, they see it going sort of like four times wider than than the brand could ever have done on their own because you're sharing it with your peer group. Is that, is that sort of uh, social aspect of social commerce something that brands need to be paying much more attention to? The idea that you can almost take people who have been in store and then make that make them um, almost ambassadors for the brand elsewhere. Yeah, totally. I think like <clears throat> it's about authenticity, right? Keeping it as organic as possible. People like us, right in this room right now, we could all be content creators. We're not influencers. We're content creators. We're just ordinary people with ordinary like different lives and we all come together like telling a story of a product or promoting a product in some way yeah I think it's just keeping as authentic as possible with all these different people so before we then go into some of the uh, the provenance of how we actually measure the effectiveness of e-commerce and then taking that into in real life retail I wondered um if we could only go around and sort of say well what are some of the the experiences that we've each had with you know online shopping going into stores or maybe the other way around that we sort of see as being the ideal the, the the perfect example of this so whether that's me going into I bought some new glasses the other day like you said tried them on on the site and as Barry mentioned they had those details as soon as I went into the actual store another quick little virtual try on there so they could see what it would look like if they amended the frames what would be some of those experiences you've had whether that be you know watching a, a live shopping experience you know with with uh, that concert that went on on Snapchat the other day what would we say as being some of the the things that we've seen around social commerce that have got us really excited so I, I love uh, the way um, some live shopping kind of events, like we sort of talked a little bit about the beauty and fashion space, like the way brands are actually doing um, shoppable runway shows, essentially, mm -hmm. and sort of creating moments that are kind of um, 
uh, moments that I sort of schedule my day around to be able to participate in them virtually. But I also love how what they're doing when they do it right is they actually sort of do it from a store location or from a physical shopping location. So if you think about it, there's an opportunity to participate in the source of the show, right? It's actually a live event. That's pretty cool. Or you can actually participate in a shoppable digital way um, from your lunch break. So I think mm. that's really exciting. That is as well. Yeah, actually making that whole experience part and parcel of a, a scheduled event is something that, you know, you almost don't necessarily get that with previous forms of retail. Grace, what would you say? Are audiences habituated to that now? Or is it still, are we still kind of at the foothills of what is possible? I mean, I think definitely audiences are much more aware of experiences of like that these days. We, we see quite a large rise in sort of adoption and desire for things like that. But I think it's still key. Education is still key. So communication, really. So if you're running an event like that, it's making sure that people understand what it is, where it is and what they can get from it. It's uh, ironically from a marketer. It's all about how you market them um, because you can run it. But if people don't understand it or don't know about it, it can cause some problems so yeah. yeah I would agree yeah people people know about it but you'd be surprised how many people still need these things explained <laughs> in quite an accessible way nice well from a purely bread and butter perspective then to what extent are we able to measure the the kind of the KPIs of e-commerce versus kind of that hybrid commerce approach what what should we want to be looking for in terms of actually measuring the success of this is it pure sales is it attention you know what do we think are some of the most important uh, KPIs when it comes to actually doing hybrid commerce effectively I, I mean, one of the reasons we always love commerce and we love to talk to clients is because it's measurable, frankly, by the cash register ringing. So I actually think that all of the measurements that you just mentioned are really relevant and important. Um, but absolutely, unlike a lot of advertising, which you know <laughs> feels benefit, like it's for working. For the benefit of the listeners, Barry just did the air quotes. I did the air quotes. So um there's, there's a, an, an honestly sort of measurable thing. And we know for a fact, obviously, if you create like a digital twin, people are, there's a huge part of our population that's really excited about buying virtual goods. It's really is a huge part of our population that's really excited about having a digital twin of a physical product. We know that people are going to spend, you know, we know that people that are more emotionally connected to brands are going to spend 150% more than someone who's just merely quote unquote satisfied with the brand. And there's nothing that makes someone more emotionally sort of connected to a brand than an immersive experience where they can kind of shop in that way. And so there's all kinds of like um, uh, lifetime value scores that are important, but ultimately the real time feedback on is the product selling, are people reviewing it positively? That's unique to commerce right now in our world. And so that's, that's the, the core metric that we use. And George, from your experience, do people tend to get caught up in the big numbers around sort of attention on social platforms when it comes to that? Or as Barry mentioned, should we be looking at things like kind of that lifetime effectiveness? Yeah, totally. I think numbers are, no one really wants to admit it, but everyone loves looking at their numbers and seeing how popular <laughs> they are. They get a viral, one one viral hit and they're, they're like the top dog, right? Numbers <laughs> yeah. kind of viral. But it works though, because like that's where brands come in and they see these numbers and they're like, this guy can obviously convey a message really well. What does he have that's unique to him? And how can he like, how can we like join forces mm. with this with this guy and then uh, get his audience on board with what we do? So yeah, I think it's all in the messaging. And one of the things that I just want to 
pick up on there, George, is that we've we've heard a couple of times now from various brands that they're not looking for those influencers that can, or those you know individual retailers, those kind of the, the smaller creators on social platforms who can actually deliver huge numbers. They're looking for people who are influential, but in a kind of smaller but more lucrative space. So that might be a tech influencer, say, rather than somebody who mm-hmm. can get billions and billions of views. Is that something that you've sort of seen become you know come to the fore in terms of you know people talking about social commerce? Yeah, one hundred percent. I would argue that, like <clears throat> the idea, like a brand logo, in my opinion, is boring compared to like someone being the face of that brand, right? Like having those middle guys where they have between like ten thousand to a hundred thousand followers, like those, they don't really have like like a name for themselves. Mm. So like, if they can join up with a brand and then go from there, and they could be the face of that brand, I think having a face of the brand sells a lot better and like a story than just a logo and a kind of company title, in my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> no, that makes absolute sense yeah and like i said that that's very much in line with what we're seeing um and grace we we're talking there about kind of some of those bread and butter measurements as well i wondered from what you've seen how much education is still to be done for brands when it comes to what is possible through this kind of stuff or do they sort of are they are brands themselves still sort of um stuck in the you know the, the e-commerce space of a couple of years ago yeah i mean it's um a bit like George was saying, uh, you still get people who want the numbers. So in sort of my industry, it's uh, how many how many impressions, how many people have have sort of have looked at the experience. And to an extent, yeah, sure, you, you want as many eyes on, on that experience as you can because you want people to see the message, you want people to experience it. But it's what happens after that. It's not just the scans, but the dwell time, how... Mm how long are people interacting so obviously with with they are it's very much how long have you captured someone's attention um the longer you capture someone's attention the more likely they are to be interacting with the full span of the experience which especially within e-commerce is trying on but also you can go straight to cart you can be exploring brand provenance sustainability credential credentials everything like that um so yeah, it, people are still like, oh, but how many scans am I going to get? And that's okay. great. But it's like, well, but what But what happens after that? What happens how, then? Yeah, absolutely. You, you need to be looking at how you get value. And, you know, as Barry says, the money. Where, you know, how is that going to, how is that going to convert into sales? How is that going to, or how is that going to convert into loyalty to lifetime value? Like it, connecting the action with the result is, is mm. key, I think. Mm. But is that that we're saying then effectively that, that is very very possible with with kind of the modern e-commerce and social commerce mm. tools that that is it is not only kind of possible but presumably you can actually deliver more data points than we ever could before in terms of actually measuring that sort of stuff. Oh, definitely, yeah. Fantastic. Well, one of the things that I know the rest of my editorial team is very very keen to um, to learn about is. Do we think that e-commerce, social commerce, the kind of that hybrid commerce approach is available? Is even possible for brands of all sizes? Or are we still in a world where kind of the, the e-commerce giants and some of those kind of as, as barriers, you mentioned some of those big box retailers, are we still in a space where they are the people who are driving this forward? Or are we seeing smaller mid-sized brands really taking advantage of those opportunities? So um, I... Oh, oh, go ahead. No, it's okay. We'll go with Grace, then we'll go to you, Barry. So I'd argue that smaller brands definitely have more opportunity within the space to do something very impactful. Um, and it's all about customer experience at the end of the day. And slightly smaller retailers potentially have fewer products and can focus more carefully on creating an experience around those products. That's really interesting. Um, 
yeah, and to connect, build that connection, um, especially these days. So Amazon, for example, isn't always popular with, especially in an age where people want um, sort of, you know, ethics and transparency, there has been some problems. Um, and so I think this is where smaller, smaller industries can capitalize on having less noise on their sites to basically create something more engaging and impactful. I think that that's so interesting because that is that actually ties into something which I know we're going to be publishing during the uh, the e-commerce deep dive, which effectively says that you know modern e-commerce, modern hybrid commerce isn't about um, kind of the, that very point of sale, which is I suppose what Amazon is, which is you know you go there because you know you can get something, but it's actually about developing community, which delivers longer you know value in the longer term. Barry, is that community aspect of something? something that you've heard about when people are talking about, you know, commerce using Web3 tools, because that that community aspect of it seems to be what people are, are selling when it comes to Web3 tools for e-commerce. So I, I guess I would sort of say, instead of maybe community, I would say service, because that's that's actually what I think is, is so interesting. And so, um, <clears throat> I mean, what Amazon does is they sell selection and sort of like low cost, but it's like buying from the Borg or something like that. <laughs> and so uh, the, the way brands effectively compete with that, whether you're a tiny brand um, or you're a really giant brand, is actually by sort of surrounding that with... Um, advice and guidance and and services frankly so like you if you you can buy a sort of a a, a beauty product on amazon but if you actually buy it from um, the website or some sort of social commerce experience you're also going to get advice how to use it what other products you have to apply with it what other things you know sort of like tips and sort of like how to use it best and really cool things that other influencers have kind of done with it if you buy it from Amazon, it just sort of like rattles around and arrives in sort of like a crappy sort of cardboard box. <laughs> you know, if you do it from like a smart, um, small brand or a, a smart um, sort of mid-sized brand, maybe it comes in a better box. Maybe it has a QR code that instantly launches you into, again, more influencer content or more sort of like assembly instructions or like an easier way to sort of register for a warranty for the product or an easier way to kind of connect to that social community. Mm. And that's what actually makes it special. You start to have a relationship with the product because you're going to have a better first time experience with that product because you know how to use it. You're going to sort of feel like there's some people you can follow on social who seem to use it well, and you're more likely to use it better yourself. And that's how you have a higher lifetime value. And that that kind of stuff, maybe to try to connect the two questions together, mm. you don't have to be a giant brand to do that. I mean, a lot of the things that we're talking about in social are almost, I, what I do is where I work with big clients and I have to make them small to be able yeah. to do that. I'm like, hey, you actually have to have a Shopify site. You can't just be on like SAP Hybris um, because a lot of these things are kind of plugging into these smaller things. So I would actually argue that a lot of the smaller brands have almost an advantage around that community aspects that bigger brands have to kind of make themselves small to be able to start to tackle. Yeah, that's such a fascinating, that's such a fascinating um, point of view. And I'm, I was thinking the entire way through, can I get away with titling this podcast episode, Buying from the Borg? 
will I be? Uh, will my editor let me get away with that? We'll see. Yeah. So we're we're coming to the end of the discussion. Unfortunately, we could have dug into any one of those questions for you know hours at a time. But I wondered if we could maybe go around and say what are we most excited about then for the future of hybrid commerce, social commerce, e-commerce? Because the e-commerce deep dive on the drum is kind of encapsulating all of that. And so I really want to sort of get your take on what you think is going to be the most important, exciting developments over the next couple of years. So George, could we start with you? What are you most excited to see in the near future when it comes to e-commerce? Totally. Um, <clears throat> TikTok, like yep. full stop. It's just TikTok. I think it's going to keep growing. It's going to leverage uh, to like unseen other levels. It's just, it's going to take over everything. And if you if no one's on board of TikTok right now, like they're missing out big, real big. What are some of the, I suppose, those those tools, those features that you've seen that are making it such a vital space for e-commerce at the moment? Only in the UK is it live right now, but the shopping feature, that shopping mm. feature, if it goes live to like the US, you guys are going to, you guys are going <laughs> to take it to the next level. I'm telling you now, it's going to be intense. <laughs> the shop, the shop. And is it something particular about TikTok users that you think is really driving that? Or is it just the fact that they got ahead of, of the tech side of it? I think it's just the authenticity. Everyone mm. films their products on iPhones. You don't need these big fancy cameras anymore. It's just, it's in your pocket. You can showcase anything, right? With your phone. That's just what it is, authenticity. Everyone can relate to it. Everyone's yep. in that same wavelength. So, yeah. That's fantastic. I, and I, I did wonder, we, we sort of mentioned it earlier, but I wondered how far through discussion we'd get before authenticity came into it, because that seems to be at the heart of every piece of marketing uh, material that we, that we write about at the moment. Grace, what would you say then from your perspective is most exciting around, you know, either AR commerce, e-commerce in general? What, what are you really looking forward to seeing develop over the next couple of years? I think what's really interesting is the the increase in um, adoption and accessibility of immersive tech and what that's going to do. Um, it used to be really reserved for people who had either the specialism or, mm. or the money. And now you can just, you can, small companies can embed a AR experience straight into their website without using code, without anything with tools that, that really don't cost a lot of money. Um, and so the creativity that comes from that accessibility and everyone can can use it and you can see what different people create and the opportunities that you can see developing, I think are just are super exciting. Like, I, yeah, yeah. I was, I was chatting to uh, Roblox a couple of weeks ago and they were saying that the, the most exciting development for them is they're going self-serve effectively with some of their e-commerce spaces. And they said that's really what's going to help push that next, to the next level. It doesn't have to be bespoke anymore. You can actually get brands who, like you said, they don't necessarily have to have the highest level of insight, but they need somebody who can do it. But anybody can do this now and they can do it well. And Barry, you're going to have the final word on this. What do you think are some of the most exciting developments in and around e-commerce and hybrid commerce that everyone who's listening should yeah. be looking forward to? Yeah. So there, I mean, I think there's a lot of stuff that, you know, obviously the, the other panels have talked about on the front end, that's super exciting. The accessibility of a lot of this XR and AR stuff and the community aspects of social. Um, but ironically, I'm actually probably most excited about some of the stuff on the back end around blockchain. So mm -hmm. if you think about NFTs, not as like sexy, cool, collectible things, but as a means of establishing identity for commerce, what that means is I will never have to enter my credit card again. I will never have to tell you where I live. I will never have to tell you my name. I will never have to tell you my preferences of stuff. I'll never have to tell you that I have a size 11 foot with this kind of like a pronation when I'm buying sneakers. I It is, when you talk about seamless commerce that is coming, maybe on TikTok, 
maybe on, you know, sort of like that sort of that buy instantly that sort of determining what kind of like AR or VR sort of experience I'm going to get. I'm telling you, like, if you think about NFTs and digital wallet as a means of establishing identity, you will be safe. I own my data. It is mine. It is not some weird third party person who has that anymore. And yet I feel completely confident buying instantly and sort of knowing that the information I'm getting is tailored to me. That I think is the very unsexy, sexy thing that I think is going to be the huge unlock over the next three to five years. Nice. Uh, provided that I can install a couple of plugins or extensions that mean that I have to wait a couple of seconds before the purchase <laughs> goes through, because sometimes yeah. I feel like entering my information again is the only thing that stops me making foolish purchases. So potentially yeah. they will have to sort of go, no, you've got 10 seconds, nine, eight, seven, okay, they cancel. Yeah. Yeah, they call that the are you sure button. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. I need, I need about eight of them. Um, so thank you so much, George, Grace, and Barry, for taking the time to have this conversation. Like I said, we could have spoken about any single one of those questions for, well, hours. But as a very final question, I wondered if we could go around and maybe give the listeners um, a location where they can find you if they want to bend your ear on anything that you've mentioned, get in contact with you about any work or maybe some of the past work you've done. Where would be the best place for them to reach out to you? And if we can start with you again, George. Yeah, um, if anyone out there wants to grow their TikTok channels, whether or not you have a business or a brand and you want to grow it using TikTok, um, check out favored.com. You can check it out, yeah. Fantastic. (laughs) (laughs) And Grace? Yeah, if um, sort of anyone's looking to to talk to me about getting started sort of with immersive tech, um, yeah, you can reach me on uh, zappa.com. Fantastic. And Barry? So uh, you can you can reach me uh, through Merkle Inc. Uh, or if you're in the UK, you can reach out to my man Benoit Sucre, who sort of helps run a lot of the uh, creative experience over there. Um, but would love to talk to anyone interested in exploring connected commerce. Fantastic. Well, thank you to the three of you for taking the time to have that conversation. I found it fascinating. I know it's going to inform a lot of our e-commerce discourse over the next week. But for the listeners, please do stick around. Go to thedrum.com where we're doing our week-long exploration of everything e-commerce. However, because it is such a major part of uh, the marketing focus of the industry going forward, we do write about it throughout the course of the year as well. So stick around on thedrum.com throughout the year for everything e-commerce and marketing related. But for now, thank you so much for listening and goodbye. Goodbye.